Please listen carefully. And hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. As you may have noticed, I have officially uh, rebrand, re-rebranded the podcast uh, as Scouts Honor once again. You're listening to the Scouts Honor Sports Podcast, brought to you, as always, by your host, Cooper Hurd. Uh, I'm really excited to, to bring this back. I recently have been doing, you know, just sort of whatever sparked my interest. I hadn't really had a focus on anything, um, and, and I think this shift back to draft focus, uh, you know, prospect scouting, prospect coverage, Covering the draft in general, you know, players that have entered from the draft, how they've done, that's always been of a lot of interest to me. And I think it's something that, uh, compared to my, the rest of my knowledge of sports, is, is one of my strong suits. So uh, I, I thought I would get back into running the Scouts Honor podcast. Um, hopefully, y'all saw on my Twitter page, I have got a, I, I've got the Scouts Honor sports WordPress page up and running. You can go there and check out the latest editions of both my NBA and NFL mock drafts. Um, that's the beauty of this Scouts Honor tag. I, I'm not going to just be doing NBA. I'll be doing both NBA and NFL. So if you're listening and you're more of a football fan, don't worry. I've got football for you. Uh, but, but of course, my, you know, my focus will still mostly be on the NBA draft. That's more my passion. It's more what I know, uh, I, I know more about. Um, so check out, definitely check out both the NBA and NFL mock drafts. I've also got my NBA big board up. Uh, and the last thing I've got up is uh, what I called a three-year rolling mock draft uh, in the NBA. So what I did was I took prospects from the last three years so this year's upcoming 2020 draft as well as the past two uh, the 2019 and 2018 drafts um, took a bunch of highly reputable mock drafts such as you know Sam Vecini's Jonathan Wasserman's uh, and put them all on a spreadsheet calculated the average ranking that those players had um, and sorted them into tiers cut it where it made sense and voila you have the three-year rolling mock draft. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. So I'll just give uh, a, a little snippet of what it looks like. So, so in the, uh, the tier one of the three-year rolling mock draft, you've got both DeAndre Ayton and Zion Williamson with uh, average scores of one. So by the time the draft rolled around, that meant as far as uh, the draft sources I pulled, and I pulled uh, five or six of them, uh, by the time of the draft or you know thereabouts, I, I didn't want to take the mock from, you know, the day before the draft because at that point there's, you know, not, it's not much of a guessing game, especially towards the top. But, you know, pulling the uh, last latest edition, you know, one that came out in ideally uh, March or April at the end of the college basketball seasons, your last evaluation of the guys, uh, or maybe around combine time, more likely. Um, but both DeAndre Ayton and Zion had perfect scores of 1.0. So every mock draft I... Actually, maybe that's not true because I think I did um, – no, no, I don't think I rounded up. So I think that's – yeah, I think that was – they were both unanimous number one selections. Um, right behind that, 
those three, you've got Anthony Edwards at a 1.5, which means, obviously, he's sort of splitting votes. Um, and who's he splitting votes with? Well, uh, a little lower down the list, you've got James Wiseman at 2.25. Uh, you've got, well, two and a quarter. It's probably better to say. You've also got LaMelo Ball at two and three quarters, uh, as well as Cole Anthony at three and three quarters at this point. He was the last I left in this tier. But it, it, it is interesting to see that there is certainly some variance, especially Wiseman and Ball. It looks like the uh, the, ba- the debate there is roaring strong. Um, looking a little further down, or actually, a little further up the list, uh, right behind Anthony Edwards in the number four overall spot in this three-year mock draft was John Morant with a pure two. Uh, R.J. Barrett came in at three. So it was interesting, the 2019 draft, the top three was uh, chalk towards the end. But but when you also look, you see, so let's just run down this, this list. So uh, DeAndre Aiden, Zion Williamson, and again, it, they have the same score, so it's not that they are uh, one and two, it's just... I have I have no way of dif- differentiating them, so I put them uh, generally by which uh, the year that came first. So Aiton was in ni- 18, Zion was in 19. That's why I did it. Um, so you got DeAndre Aiton, Zion Williamson, Anthony Edwards, John Morant, James Wiseman, Luka Doncic comes in at 2.25. So for all the uh, and again, I, I think there was uh, th- there were a ton of people that were you know screaming from the, the hilltops that this guy. Luca was the best European prospect ever, that he was a clear number one overall pick over any of these guys, Aiton, Jackson, Marvin Bagley. Um, at the same time, though, in these you know highly reputable mock drafts, and again, some of these guys are using some insights they gained from the teams, but Luca was 2.25. He wasn't even he wasn't even a pure two. It's not like it was Aiton's just this monster and we put Luca behind him. There were people putting Bagley ahead of Doncic. I think there were probably people putting Trey Young ahead of Doncic. Um, I, I think we have we've we have revised that history quite a bit so that anytime we see anyone that didn't have Luca as this clear consensus number one overall best player in a decade prospect, that we just uh, slam them. That's 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 very revisionist right there. Um, you're just ignoring the past. Uh, looking a little further, let's uh, roll down the list. Lamella Ball follows right after Luca. Uh, then you've got R.J. Barrett, Marvin Bagley the third, Jaron Jackson Jr., and to close out this list, Cole Anthony. So um, just a little glimpse into what that three-year rolling mock draft looks like. Definitely go check that out if you're interested. Again, the link is scoutshonorsports.wordpress.com. Uh, you can also just check us out on Twitter. The Twitter handle is Scouts Honor NBA, and you can find all the links there. Um, that's enough about that, though. Let's go ahead and hop into the meat of this episode. So, as I mentioned, obviously, we're back in the Scouts Honor brand. I want to do uh, so, some prospect talk, obviously. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. Um, I, I think a good way to do this, though, would be... You know, it's it's tough. Do you go just, you know, look at my mock draft? Do you go, let's look at the best prospects and go down? You know, uh, the, the Steffian Draft Podcast, another great draft podcast. If, if you if you aren't listening to them, you probably should. Although, I don't know that they've been putting episodes out this year. I may, I may, I may just be missing them. Um, but they, 
you know, they, they had a series going that went by conference, looking at prospects by conference. I thought a good way to do it, at least for me personally, at least at first, would be to go by team. So uh, today, uh, and this is a little easier for me to do because I had the uh, pleasure of seeing them in person a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm going to cover the Duke Blue Devils prospects. Um, and when I say I had the pleasure of seeing them in person, uh, obviously it was a lot of fun to see them, but I really had the pleasure of seeing my Clemson Tigers defeat the Blue, the Blue Devils, handing them only their second loss on the year. It was very incredible to see. I, I've, I've never been in Little John Coliseum, Clemson Stadium, uh, and felt that sort of energy. Again, I wasn't there for... Uh, the, the Duke games any of the last couple of years. I'm sure when Zion was there, actually, they didn't, the problem, problem was Zion never came and played at Clemson. So it would have been two years ago when Marvin Bagley came. I, I wasn't at that game. I'm sure the energy was similar. But, I mean, you could tell Clemson um, had, had a chance the whole game. And it, it was a lot of fun. The crowd was into it. Vernon Carey was a very impressive player to see in person. Um, I, I think it's very clear that he is the quote-unquote star of this team. Um, Trey Jones is awesome. I think Vernon Carey's a star of the team. He's the you know leading scorer, the go-to guy. Trey Jones is the best player on this team, though. Um, I don't even see that as particularly debatable. But you know, just really exciting team. And obviously, it would have been a lot of fun to see a Norville Duke team where you're getting to see Zion and RJ or Brandon Ingram or you know Jabari Parker, Julio Okafor. That would have been a ton of fun. But Ver- Vernon Carey was. Very impressive in his own right, and it was a lot of fun to see a good competitive game. And again, there's some solid Duke prospects. Uh, I'm going to talk about them a little bit. First, though, uh, I want to talk about a little bit of Duke's history putting out great prospects. Uh, I'm not going to go back to, like, Christian Leitner in the 70s. Okay, wow, wow. Not the 70s, not the 70s. Sorry, no disrespect to uh, Christian Leitner. Uh, uh, I did not... Oof. All right. Uh, uh, point. I, I, I guess uh, I just wanted to look a little bit further back because obviously we all think of, you know, Duke has a very great history of putting out number two overall picks, uh, at least the last few years. I just thought it was interesting to look back. So Duke last won a title in 2014-15. Um, that was the season Jabari Parker and Rodney Hood had just left. Um, but that was a team led by Jaleel Okafor. So that was Okafor's team. Um, they also had... It was, so it was Jaleel Okafor, the top recruit in his class. You also had Justice Winslow, who ended up going, I, I'm not sure if it was 9th, 11th, maybe even 13th. No, 13th was Tyler Hero this year. Yeah, he, he was a lottery pick to the Heat a few years ago. Um, you also had Tyus Jones, who ended up going in the 20s, and Grayson Allen, who went in the 20s later. Uh, Jaleel, Justice, and Tyus were all five stars. Grayson Allen was a four-star, borderline five-star uh, they also had Emil Jefferson and Quinn Cook as well. Both of those are guys that obviously Quinn Cook on the Lakers now, but Emil Jefferson has been hanging around the league recently, mostly you know two-way contract guy, but um, s- certainly a professional player uh, and, and was very good at Duke. Um, so they won the title that year. You know everything's just going according to plan. Um, oh, of course, classic Duke winning the title again. Since then, though, we have not quite seen uh, the string of success we would generally, you know, expect out of Coach K and this Duke program. So since then, uh, the season after, lost in the Sweet 16. That was the Brandon Ingram team. Uh, We also had Luke Kennard as a freshman, but 
he was not particularly not a huge impact player as a freshman. That was that was Brandon Ingram. Uh, that was a very Brandon Ingram centric team. Although he was an awesome player, you know, and you know, lost in the Sweet 16. Next year, that was the year they lost in the round of 32. So the the second round of the tournament. And the year before, uh, Duke was you know Duke was a four seed. You know they lost in the Sweet 16. Yeah, but they lost to a one seed. Uh, they lost the number one seed Oregon that year. Not a particularly devastating defeat, uh, or or not. Not a, not a disappointing defeat. Um, not something you could have expected them to go in and win. You know, it, it, they lost, but they were an outmatched team. Um, however, the next year, number two seed uh, team went twenty-eight and nine. This was the uh, Jason Tatum team that that I mentioned lost in the round of thirty-two. Uh, you know, beat Troy in the first round, lost to the University of South Carolina in the second round. Number seven seed, and and to be fair, uh, South Carolina did go on to make the Final Four in that tournament. You know, it was a, it was an incredibly impressive run. That was the year uh, Cinderius Thornwell was leading the team. Uh, Thornwell, I believe he's now with the Cavaliers. He was drafted by the Clippers. Um, uh, and they also had PJ Dozier, who's also playing. Actually, played some last night for the Nuggets, which I. I be, I, to be completely honest, I didn't even know he was on the Nuggets, uh, let alone that he was playing minutes for the Nuggets. So uh, you know, that, that, that was an impressive team. Uh, Coach Frank Martin, at the same time, though, you know, it's Jason Tatum, man. Um, uh, and you also, it was Jason Tatum. You also had Frank Jackson. I think Frank Jackson was maybe dealing with some injury stuff um, that sort of led into his NBA career, but still a very talented player. Uh, you had sophomore year Luke Kennard, who was the second uh, second wheel on that team, and a very good second wheel. Um, you know, actually, it, it, it's it's not as surprising when you it, it's a little surprising they were the two seed and lost, but you know you you could see why this may not have been the most talented Duke team of all time. Uh, as I mentioned, Frank Jackson dealt with some stuff, but they also had Harry Giles, who was you know a, a massive, uh, huge recruit, um, and. It's sort of, I believe he tore his ACL uh, going into Duke. He was he had torn his ACL in high school and tore it again before he was able to play at Duke. Um, so he, he was not actually a part of this team. So it was really Jason Tatum and Luke Kennard. But still, you would expect that team, you know, it, you got to imagine, you know, that they've, Duke always has their vets around them. That team should have probably made it further. Um, I, think, I think that's a fair statement to make. The year after... Did make it to the Elite Eight, you know. Finally won a few games. Uh, a, a much more impressive performance, you know. First few games, you actually barely beat uh, 11 seeded Syracuse in the Sweet 16. However, that was that was a pretty good Syracuse team. I mean, if you're an 11 seed and you win two games, you're probably a decent team. Uh, you're probably under seeded. You know, ended up losing in the Elite Eight to Kansas, uh, and it's you know that Kansas team did lose in the next round by like 15 to Villanova. But this was this was a very good Kansas team. Uh, this is senior year, Devontae Graham, who was you know the uh, Naismith Player of the Year that year. Senior year, Svi Mikhailuk, who was a very impressive player in his own right. You had uh, junior year, LeGerald Vick, who was just a just a crazy player, but, you know, provided a lot of value on that team. You had sophomore year, Aduka Azabuki. Uh, Malik Newman was on this roster as a sophomore. I mean, it was an impressive squad. It was an impressive squad. Um, you know, not a ton of shame in losing to these guys, but at the same time, it's Duke. 
and it's not, you know, this is not some Duke team with the cupboards dry, you know. It's not, it's not uh, sorry, with the cupboards bare. This is Duke with number one overall prospect in this class, Marvin Bagley III, who, uh, you know, uh, decided to enroll in college year early. He um, got, you know, got some of his classes done in time in high school and was able to reclassify into the class ahead. Um, but this team also had Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter Jr. was a top 10 overall prospect as well. Trayvon Duvall was a top 10 overall prospect uh, as a point guard. He, he, he ended up going undrafted, but he's in the NBA sort of floating spot to spot. Last I know, uh, I, I think he was on like a two-way with the Bucks at some point last year probably. I, he's certainly um, – I, I, he's a guy that's going to play in the NBA, you know, Maybe maybe once he's 26, maybe it'll be his age 26 through 33 uh, years. Maybe it'll be like when he's 28. He's going to be in the NBA, though. He's always been a, a phenomenal athlete and, you know, good vision for a point guard. You know, makes uh, obviously can attack the rim very well for a point guard. You know, throws down some really impressive dunks. Just can't shoot at all. And unless you, you – you have to be able to scheme around that. You have to be able to play around that deficiency – and he's not really someone that's learned to address that deficiency to the extent that he could play uh, real minutes in the NBA. I mean, he's still an awesome player. Um, and wasn't as awesome at Duke as we might hope, but was a productive player, you know? I mean, he was he was a productive player. It's not like he was harming the team, I wouldn't say. Uh, and they had Gary Trent Jr. too. Gary Trent Jr. was a you know second-round pick, really impressive shooter, a, a guy I personally just – you know, I, I love Gary Trent Jr., mostly because he's a 6'6 shooting guard that can theoretically shoot and play defense. But Gary Trent Jr. was the 14th overall recruit in his class. He was a freshman this year. Actually, wow, wow. My God. So I'm, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Bagley was the number one overall prospect. Uh, Duvall was actually the number five overall prospect in that 2017 class. So, I mean... He was a guy getting mocked to go in the top 10 of the draft before the year started. It, it was a similar similar situation to Nasir Little last year, except Nasir Little is a you know, 6'8 forward with the 7'3 wingspan, so he only drops 25. Trayvon Duvall is a point guard who's is big. He's like 6'5, got long arms, but is a point guard, not a, not a, you know, not a wing. And <laughs> to be honest, showed less shooting acumen than... Uh, Little did, although Trayvon Duvall just has so much more all-around skill than Little. Uh, so Duvall ended up dropping completely out of the draft, went undrafted, you know. And I think there's some thought that he may have left uh, left because there was, you know, guys coming in the next year. Trey Jones came in that next year, so there was a thought that, well, you know, if you stay, you know, Trey Jones is probably playing in your place. Well, you're certainly not getting any uh, – your draft stock's not getting any higher – I mean, whether or not, you know, going undrafted means that his draft stock could have not gotten much lower. That's that's certainly an argument we could have. But, um, just, I mean, just really interesting. These they, they also had Wendell Carter Jr., the seventh recruit in that class. Gary Trent Jr. was the 14th overall recruit in that class. He was the 14th overall recruit in 2017. So that meant there were there were 13 players in high school high school seniors playing basketball that were generally considered better than him, 13 in the entire country that were better than him. That's it. I mean, and he was productive as well. Four, 15 points a game. 
um, you know, I mean, that, that's what he should do for you. He puts up points. Uh, I mean, not to mention they also had uh, Grayson Allen on this team as a senior. You know, he was, as I mentioned, a, a highly rated recruit, and obviously we, we've seen him in the NBA to an extent. But, I mean, he was just such a productive college player throughout. Um, and beyond that, Marcus Bolden, a sophomore on this team, was the 11th overall prospect the year before. Javin Delorier, who was also a sophomore on this team, 35th overall prospect the year before. Even Alex O'Connell is like the 69th recruit in his class. I mean, this was a stacked team. This is one of the most stacked teams I have ever looked at. Um, I think you could argue that last year's not not yeah last year's Duke team was Zion, RJ, Cam Reddish. In terms of just pure top end talent, that's probably the most impressive team that's ever been assembled. But I mean, these guys had. The number one, number five, number seven, and number 14 overall prospects in a single class. I mean, if we're being honest, Cam Reddish ended up being, what, like the 15th best prospect in his class? I mean, if we're we're being really honest, he was like maybe a top 50 guy in terms of like production his freshman year uh, compared to the other college, uh, uh, compared to the other guys in his class. So, So, yeah, you say... You know, they lost to a really impressive Kansas team. They made it to the Elite Eight. Um, you know, the guys, uh, Bagley got drafted, number two overall. Wendell Carter got drafted seventh. Gary Trent got drafted. Grayson Allen got drafted. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good. You did what you're supposed to. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I've never really seen a team stacked with this much talent, uh, at least in terms of what these guys are perceived as coming out of high school, uh, turn into this mediocre of a team and maybe i'm just not looking hard enough i I think that's that's a little bit disingenuous to say it's never happened before um i would say it's a pretty stark case of it though so that 17 18 team i mean there's there's it's it's so how about this if they lost the title this year we'd be calling them one of the most disappointed teams of all time um you know obviously the competition was a lot more stiff two years ago still though that was just like an all-time talented team. And not the best fit. Uh, Bagley and Wendell Carter both are centers. So it, it was a little tough to try to fit them in. And, and having Trey Duvall in there with them. But just in terms of the pure raw talent, you certainly would have hoped for more out of that team. Now, of course, last year's team, I think everyone's uh, vaguely familiar with that team. Have this, this uh, what's it? I can't remember his Zion, I think was his name, Zion or something, uh, this dude on their team that, he was okay, I mean, he kind of just like jumped high and blocked shots with his elbows, it wasn't that impressive, uh, <laughs> no, so, obviously last year's team, uh, you know, I mean, this is another one of those just crazy stacked teams, um, RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish were the number one and number two overall prospects in their class, and this is uh, I, I'm using RSCI's top 100. I believe that's it's a, it's a so it's similar to the 247 composite ranking. It's a it's it's a compilation ranking. It takes um, sites like ESPN, 247, scouts, rivals, and and consolidates them all into a single score. So R.J. Barrett was number one overall. It was con- close to consensus number one overall in these rankings. I mean, it wasn't even particularly close. Um, Cam Reddish was number two overall. Zion was number four overall. Trey Jones was also, you know, 13 overall, right there with him. 
Uh, they also brought in Joey Baker, uh, the 37th overall recruit in that class. I don't know who Joey Baker is. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's Duke for you, though. They'll just bring in these, like, this guy that's, like, the 30th best player in his class, and he'll never play at Duke. He'll just never play. I mean, probably because he's not good enough, but I think on any other team you'd be getting uh, reps, you'd be getting time, you'd be learning from your mistakes. I think you just have a lot more room to grow if you're the 30th best player in your class going to you know, Kansas State as opposed to Duke. Uh, overall, though, I mean, this was one of the most hyped teams as far as, I, I mean, maybe since, like, the Anthony Davis title team, as far as I can remember, um, the Anthony Davis team with Michael Kidd Gilchrist on it as well, probably some other names. Oh, I think the Harrison twins were on that team. Um, just actually, that may have been a little too far back. For the I'm not sure. It, it was it was a very very hyped team. Uh, people just assumed they were going to win the title almost. And to be honest, yeah, that was actually a fair assumption for that team. I mean, that team may have been quite possibly the most dominant team in college basketball history. Two losses total on the year. One in December at Indiana, a 72-73 to 73 loss. Uh, I, I think Victor Oladipo was on that team because I think he left as a sophomore. Um, so, I mean, that would have, you know, that would have probably been a very good Indiana team, a, a Tom Crean coached coach team. Um, they also dropped a game to Vanderbilt in, you know, in March, just some sort of meaningless game. They just let slip away. Um I, I, I then went into the tournament and won the tournament, beat Kansas in the finals. So, yeah, probably a fair assumption to make that they were going to win the title. Uh, this Duke team, however, did not experience the same run of success. Um, I, I think the the beauty of that Kentucky team is that, okay, yeah, you had a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who was the third overall recruit. Uh, he was a freshman as well. Um, you had Marquise Teague, who was the seventh overall recruit in that class. But they all deferred to Anthony Davis. I, I think everyone knew that the offense ran through Anthony Davis. And the beauty of having, you know, you can have Marcus Teague, uh, Marquise Teague and Anthony Davis because you know what Teague can do? You can just, like, pass the ball to Davis, and that way they're both involved. Um, the problem with this Duke team was that Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, all of them are on-ball players, and, and Trey Jones for that matter. They are all on-ball players. If you're not putting Zion on the ball, you're wasting his talent. If you're not putting RJ and Cam Reddish on the ball, you're, you're destroying the, the spacing of your offense. Uh, same with Trey Jones. Um, it's, it, I mean, it's just really difficult to work with. And, you know, I don't, I don't really need to talk about this team that much. Um, ended up losing in the Elite Eight. Barely beat Taco Fall and uh, the ninth-seeded uh, sorry ninth seated UCF team in, in the round of 32. I also barely beat Virginia Tech, uh, number four seed, in the next round. Uh, I believe both of those were like, it was like last second plays to to win both games. Um, ended up losing though in the Elite Eight to Michigan State on again another. That was a game where the offense just kind of collapsed down the end. It was you could see Zion wanted to defer because Zion is sort of this selfless teammate. He wants to get everyone involved. He wants the team to just flow and run in this optimal way. The problem is, if you do that, R.J. Barrett is going to take advantage. He's going to take the ball. He's going to shoot it. He's going to shoot it. 
because he that's what he knows how to do. I mean, it's it's not an insult. It's just that's how RJ has succeeded his entire life, taking the ball, scoring. Problem is, he just wasn't that efficient of a scorer, you know? But Zion needed to just grab the ball, go in and score. Um, that was just, a, you know, the dynamic of the team the whole year, though. They just did not fit well together. They never really understood how to play together on the floor. They were always they always seemed to have great camaraderie off the floor, especially RJ and Zion. Uh, Cam Reddish never seemed to really I don't I don't I never really got much of a grasp on him. He just sort of seemed like he was there. I never really got any glimpse uh, at his personality or emotion or anything, you know, that indicates he cared about anything. Uh, not not that he like doesn't care about stuff, but I just never really he's he's not show he's not wearing his heart on his sleeve to be certain. Um, so I think it was just really tough to make that team work and to get to the elite eight was, you know, I think it was probably a disappointment for them, but in retrospect, probably, probably about where they should have lost. Um, I think they were probably an elite eight level of team, you know, a championship level talent, but that fit was elite eight. (laughs) Uh, yeah, let's, I think I've done a little, a little too much relitigating the past. Um, let's go ahead and hit on these prospects that are here now. I, I, you know, I just wanted to do a little bit of setting the stage because we, I think we all think of Duke. You know, I just think about these names I've mentioned: Zion Williamson, Marvin Bagley, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Wendell Carter. These are the names you expect to come out of Duke. You know, these are these are. Uh, high-level, star-level prospects in the NBA. They're not just Duke stars. They are guys that are going to be stars in the pros. Duke doesn't really have any of those guys this year. As I mentioned earlier, the star on their team is is certainly going to be Vernon Carey. Uh, Vernon Carey. Vernon Carey Jr., actually, son of Vernon Carey Sr., who was an offensive lineman at the U, uh, University of Miami. He... Uh, I did play in the NFL for a little while, and uh, funnily enough, uh, just a little anecdote, he was present uh, at the Clemson versus Duke game. He traveled there, uh, you know, to, to see his son play, and it was really interesting. I noticed I noticed that he was there because there was a point maybe in the third, uh, not the third quarter, you know, like at some point in the, the second half where um, Vernon went up to the stripe, took a free throw, or maybe it was before his free throw, you know, he had gotten fouled. And they were just doing the little, you know, 20 seconds, wait for the refs to set up before we take the free throw. And he kind of, you know, had his hands on his shoulders and walked a couple steps over the sideline. And I looked, and it looked like he was, like, communicating with someone. Not, like, talking, but, you know, giving a couple head nods and, like, clearly making eye contact with someone. And I looked over, and it's just this massive, massive dude. That's Vernon Carey Sr., so it's it's very interesting. It's clear it's clear uh, Vernon Carey's uh, father has huge impact on his life, huge impact on the game. He seems like just you know an awesome sort of mentor, sort of um, offering advice. Someone that you it looked like you know Vernon Carey Jr. was looking there for advice, for mentorship, but it wasn't like some "Come on, man, what are you doing?" yelling at his son or whatever. It didn't seem like uh, like uh, like. Tiger Woods dad or anything uh, this is just like a you know a, a good mentor figure giving you advice on the side a, a guy you know just a dependable person you can rely on so that I, I, that was really cool to see um <laughs> Vernon Carey Jr. though he looks like the son of an offensive lineman 
Um, he is built like the son of an offensive lineman. If he was five inches shorter, he'd probably be an offensive lineman. Uh, Vernon Carey, listed at 6'10", uh, 270 pounds. I, I don't doubt either of those measurements. I would say he's, he's certainly not a seven-foot-tall guy. Um, actually, I'll talk about this guy later. He looked a lot more uh, Matthew Hurt's height. So I would say Matthew Hurt and Vernon Carey looked about the same exact height. Uh, it's the 270 pounds, though, that, again, that's that offensive lineman's body. He's got such wide shoulders, like barrel-chested. I know people talk about that with Harden, but you know Vernon Carey is one of these big barrel-chested guys. He's got like a Patrick Ewing type of body. Um, it's just it, it, it looks like impossible to get around him. <laughs> I guess, uh, fortunately, though, it is certainly possible to get past him. He's not necessarily the, uh, the lightest on his feet. He's not a he's not a slow plodding guy, but certainly a center. Um, I, I mean, if you're someone that sees him and thinks maybe if he shoots it, you could be a power forward. I, I just I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. He's he's a pure center. Um, has pretty pretty nice touch though. I think for his size, um, you know, certainly able to finish around the rim easily. Whether or not he's really going to be able to take these you know mid range shots or even like. Uh, open three-point shots consistently. I, I'm not. I'm certainly not sold on it at this point. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of work. And even then, I certainly don't see it being a reliable option. I see it as more of a bailout option, um, or like a I have to force the defense to respect this, or I'm going to have no effect. So, it, I guess we'll have to see how that develops. Uh, certainly not much of a shooter at this point in his career, though. Uh, although, although he will certainly take a couple of attempts. Um, I just, I, I don't see a ton of, ton of, ton of great results out of that. Um, the, the thing he really does well though, is when he makes his moves on offense, they're just so deliberate and so strong. You can just tell he, he's practiced these moves and he knows, you know, he's got very good footwork as a big man. Um, he's just, he's going to be able to get into his it's it's like a shooter getting to his spots, you know. It's the same thing as a big uh, a big guy who's, you know, at Duke he's he's a post he's a post threat, and uh, unfortunately that's why he's not going to go as high in the draft because he is a post threat. But he knows how to get to his spots in the post, and it's very impressive. And you can see him, you know, spinning and shifting and maneuvering to get the perfect position. Uh, you know, obviously very hard to box that guy out. There were a few times where. Uh, Clemson's Amir Sims, who had a, just a, one of the most impressive games I could have imagined from him. Uh, he, he guarded Vernon Carey uh, most of the game, and Sims is more of like a 6'8", 225-pound guy. Um, there were times where Vernon Carey just you know completely overpowered him. Uh, n- not shocking. It's, it's a much smaller guy. Vernon Carey would just, would just go... You know, he would just bump him out of the way. It was a lot of on rebounds. You saw it really. It was just uh, impossible for Amir Sims to box him out, especially vertically, because uh, Gary would Gary would go up and get the ball. Um, and I mean, if Sims is sitting there trying to put all his energy into post uh, blo- boxing him out on the ground, he's not going to be able to jump up and get the ball. So Gary was able to uh, get around him that way a lot. It's it's just again. Is he going to be able to do things like that against centers? Ish. Ish. Um, you would hope against centers he has a little more quickness and craft to sort of get inside. 
He's gonna be he's gonna be strong though. Even at the center position, there are gonna be centers he goes against, and he's just clearly stronger than them. Um, it's just not gonna be nearly as many. So, Vernon Carey, um, you know, he's, he's I think he's a really good. He's an awesome college player. He's an awesome college player. And I don't think I – I should have given him a little bit of his uh, biographical information. So he is a freshman this year uh, from down in Florida. Not not surprising. His dad went to uh, the U. Uh, he's graduated from NSU University School. That was his high school. Um, he was the fifth overall recruit uh, per RSCI in this class. But, I mean, this was one of those guys that – Coming into the year, you know, this is not a Trey Duvall situation where Vernon Carey, it's like, oh, this is the number five guy in his class. Well, you know, let's put him number five on the mock draft. No. Uh, coming into the year, I, there were certainly guys, I, not on these, you know, uh, high-level sort of, um, you know, ESPN-level mock drafts, but on a lot of the sort of more quote-unquote draft Twitter guys that, I, that I'm familiar with, that uh, I talk with, there were a lot of people that just didn't have Vernon Carey as a draft prospect or, like, didn't have them in their mock draft. Just, like, didn't have him as a top 60 guy. Um, and that, that was, you know, pro- not probably. That was certainly an overreaction. Um, I think at this point most people have Carey as a borderline first-round guy, more likely a uh, second-round guy, but he's, he's going to be, you know, top 15 in the second round. Like, he's, he's not going to – I would be – Stunned if this guy goes undrafted, you know. I mean, he's he's just not tradeable. I mean, he produces so much more. Um, it's it's hard to ignore that kind of production at a school like Duke, even if this is a down year. Uh, you know, sixteen point nine points a game, eight point three rebounds. Um, he just he's just productive. Uh, and again, you can't really teach two hundred and seventy pounds. So, this is one of those guys. I I don't think there's a ton of subjectivity within the analysis on him. Uh, if you want to say he's going to turn into some, you know, real adept shooter, okay, well, you know, that's <laughs> that's certainly some uh, some that that that's you know you're you're entitled to that opinion, but that that's like one of the real only real points of contention. He kind of is what he is. Um, you know, he's a freshman; he's like 18, 19 years old. But he kind of is what it is. Um, he'll certainly get better at a lot of things. Uh, he, he he will certainly improve a lot. Um, but I don't think he's going to add new things to his game. You know, I don't think we're going to come back one summer and all of a sudden he's doing, like, post fades from 15 feet. I just – I don't see – I don't see him adding in new skills. I see him as more of a, I have my game. Let me try to be the best at what I do possible. I'd say the biggest issue I probably have with him is just don't really see him, uh, you know, rolling to the rim. Actually, you know what? This is sort of, you know, just part of college basketball. You don't see guys run, pick, and roll. Um, so is he a guy that's going to be able to set a hard screen and roll in and really, you know, get deep position and finish inside consistently? If he can do that, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be a solid NBA player. Probably not a starter. Maybe one of those guys that starts, like, on and off you know, in different seasons and different situations, but probably not a guy you get and you're like, okay, this is our starter for 10 years. Um, I, I don't think he's ever going to be like a top 15 center, for instance. But, you know, if he's able to get inside and establish, I think he could be a, a really solid player. It's just, um, I don't know if he's quick enough to do that. Uh, so I think we'll have to see whether he has that sort of foot speed, agility. Uh, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's the real thing for him because he's not, he's not going to be, 
Uh, tall as a center, so hopefully he can be a little more quick. And, uh, you know, he's got the 270, so he'll be powerful. But, you know, pow power is not just weight. Power is, you know, the force, uh, the, the speed, you know, the amount of energy you're putting into it, plus the weight. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think Kerry's fine. Um, I think probably the second most renowned guy on this team would have to be Trey Jones. Uh, Trey Jones obviously was there last year. And it was a really solid player. It was getting mocked to go in the first round last year and just decided to come back, you know, for, for whatever reason, probably to prove himself. Just, you know, get, get another year with a more functional team where he can actually, like, run the offense instead of trying to let RJ and Cam and Zion get theirs. Um, Trey Jones, 6'2", listed at 185 pounds. Uh, out of Apple Valley High School in Minnesota. Obviously, talked earlier about that 14-15 title team. His brother, Tyus Jones, was the point guard on that team. Um, Trey, Trey, though, you know, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I, I personally wasn't watching a ton of college basketball, you know, back in 14-15, so I, I can't really say if their games are similar. Trey Jones is a very impressive prospect in his own right. That's what I would say. He's putting up 15 points a game this year, uh, almost seven assists, you know, four rebounds as well. He's just one of those really crafty guys that gets inside, you know, He's, he's uh, most renowned for his defense. I, I think that's what, you know, that's his calling card to be certain. I think, you know, you watch him for a game and you see just, okay, you know, he shuts down guys. But he's also, you know, great moving around. He communicates well with his teammates. I, he seems sort of like that, um, that middle linebacker position that's orchestrating the defense on the floor. You know, averaged two steals a game last year, up to 2.2 this year. Um, you know, I, I think he's... He's probably a another one of kind of like Kerry of okay. He's probably not really developing a ton more. It's possible. It's certainly possible. We've seen guys do it, and I'm prone. You know, I, I'm I'm more prone to believe that a guard, especially a point guard, is going to add new skills to his game just because they have the ball more often and they are, you know, they they are entrusted to do more on offense. So that's a bigger part of what you're doing is you're trying to practice getting also just because we see Trey Jones is so good on defense. You probably imagine he's put a lot more effort into defense. Um, in the future, he can put more effort on offense theoretically. Um, just, just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would say the one thing. So I mentioned earlier, Trey Jones is clearly the best player on this team. Uh, Vernon Carey, Vernon Carey is awesome in his own right. He can't, you know, if you put Vernon Carey on 50 different teams and simulated those seasons, uh, and then put Trey Jones on those same 50 teams and simulated those seasons, the Trey Jones teams would do better. Uh, he's just a better player, better fit, easier to work around, provides more in different aspects. Uh, you know, it's sort of, you know, in fantasy basketball, they do this thing where instead of just like the overall score, it's like, okay, you win the points category, you win the assist category, you win the steals category. Trey Jones is the type of guy that'll get you like, uh, so actually, let me, Vernon Carey's the type of guy that will get you, he'll win you points and he'll win your rebounds. But Trey Jones is the type of guy that'll get you, well, he'll get you some points, he'll get you some rebounds, he'll get you some assists and some steals. So if he's the only best, if, if he's the best player on your team, you're not going to win any category, so you're going to lose a lot. But if he's like the third best player on your team or the fourth best player on your team, and you've got a guy that can put in the points and the rebounds and all that sort of stuff, well, he's going to provide um, enough in all of those aspects to sort of boost what that uh, best player has already done. So he's going to be awesome in that role, I think. He's just, you know, a much better complimentary player than Vernon Carey is, which, 
not not very important this year at Duke because you want a you you need a star player uh, on any basketball team generally. So Kerry's been awesome at doing that. But Trey Jones, you know, I, I see him as a much more valuable NBA prospect. You know, a lot of that simply due to his position. A lot of that due to his versatility. A ton of it's just his defense. It's just, and we've seen guys. Guys like that, it, it, it's it's guys uh, guards especially that play really hard defense. They just play. They'll get opportunities. Um, obviously you're gonna have to start learning to play offense eventually. But Trey Jones is good enough offensively. Like he's not one of these Shaq Harrison types that's a borderline offensive player, but like a a you know average to above average NBA defender. No, like Trey Jones scores well enough. I would say he actually kind of reminds me. Um, you know, again, watching the Pelicans game last night for Zion's second game, he kind of reminds me of uh, how Drew Holiday scores. Drew Holiday is not a guy that will, you know, put dribble moves on you and like sauce you up and shoot a mid-range shot. He he has like two modes. He either just he's like catching and shooting, or he is driving to the rim and finishing. And it is not. There's no flair to it. There's no like. <laughs> I don't want to sound mean. There's not really creativity to it. He just kind of like goes and beats you athletically. And I think that's what Trey Jones is going to do. He's just going to be like, all right, I am this level of athlete. I'm going to beat you to this spot because I see this bit of an opening and I'm going to get there and I'm going to win. And I'm just going to score. You know, he's not, he's not Kyrie. He's not trying to out or or D'Angelo Russell. He's not trying to lull you to sleep and, uh, and beat you that way. He's just going to beat you when the opportunity presents itself. And, And part of that is, you know, he's, he's not, going out and creating looks from uh, neutral. You know, he's not creating looks out of nothing. Same as Drew Holiday. You know who does that? Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is the guy you pass it to. There's no advantage. Okay, create something. Drew Holiday, um, I mean, you know, he can do that, but he's not necessarily going to do that and try to score. He's more just trying to start the offense when he does that. So that that's sort of, obviously, Drew Holiday is, you know, one of the best at what he does in the NBA. I, I don't mean to say that Trey Jones is going to turn into Drew Holiday, but I, I think that's certainly a player that uh, Jones may want to model his game after and, and sort of hope that his career follows a similar uh, developmental path, although hopefully without uh, many of the hiccups that Drew's has had along the way. And the last thing I'd say on Trey, is he's, he's clearly the leader of this team. I think Vernon Carey, you know, he is the star of the team. Trey Jones seems like the leader, though. Um, I mean, he's only a sophomore, but he's probably the guy with the most respect on that team. Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, Jack White, I'm sure, has a has a strong voice within the team. But I think it's Trey Jones is just uh, – he's he would be that guy. I bet he's uh, – so I listened to uh, Fred Van Vliet on Howard Beck's podcast recently, which is, you know, just a phenomenal interview. And it, w- it was really interesting to hear Fred Van Vliet sort of talk and, you know, get an idea of what his leadership style is like. I bet Trey Jones has a similar leadership style. Um, just overall, I'm a big Trey Jones fan. Um, I, I would probably, you know, if I was an NBA front office and I, um, you know, needed a long-term third guard off the bench who, or, or maybe, you know, a guy that could come in and... Uh, I like Trey Jones. How about that? I think he's probably one of the 20, 25 best players in this class, um, just in terms of prospects. If we're talking about being good at basketball, he's probably, you know, one of the 15th, maybe, maybe even like the top 10 uh, 
uh, in terms of like prospects that are going to get drafted this year, you know, I mean, who who are you taking right now, Trey Jones or Anthony Edwards? Like in a pickup game tomorrow, maybe you take Edwards just because you never know he might just score fifty and win you the game himself. But I mean, I think if you you look at the odds, you're going to win more games with Trey Jones than with Anthony Edwards. Um, he, he's just an awesome player, and I. I I, I'm not sure that he's quite got the, the publicity that he deserves just because he, he's just so consistent, comes in every night, does the same thing, never really makes um, any alterations to the way he's playing. He just does his job and wins. Um, I, I love Trey Jones. I think he's going to – he's probably the best – he's my favorite prospect on this team, I think, uh, <laughs> which is actually kind of a phenomenal lead-in to the next guy, Cassius Stanley. Uh, this is a guy – before I really, you know – I mean, I'd seen a little bit of Duke. Um, and actually, so coming into this year, just sort of seeing some of his highlights and, um, you know, watching a little bit of, like, games he played in high school, I thought Cassius Stanley had the chance to be, like, an awesome player. You know, not not some, um, you know, top ten pick, but I, I thought he was a guy that looked like in a few years he could be really awesome. Got to say, I was pretty disappointed. I mean, you know, he's, he's been decent at Duke. He sort of gets his numbers. He fills a role. That's the thing, though. He fills a role at Duke. Um, and to be quite honest, in this game at Clemson, he looked a little over his head at times. You know, going up against these Clemson guys, he just looked overmatched. I mean, there was a play, um, and if you saw any highlights from this game, you probably saw it, where John Newman III, who's the big with the uh, – sorry, he's the dude with the, the big old hair – he had this play where he sort of um, went around. He, he dunked all over Cassius Stanley is what happened. But the reason he did, it's not like he just made some amazing play. He kind of just like, I think maybe he ran over a screen and just, or maybe he was just running in and then cut and completely got the inside track on Stanley. I mean, there's no reason Stanley should have allowed him inside there. Um, just let him in and got dunked on. You know, he's just... He struggles to, to, to be in the game all the time. Sometimes he seems like he's just, like, standing out there like, okay, what am I doing? Like, he's, he looks like he's trying not to make any mistakes. Um, he looks nervous at times. And, and I remember one play uh, late in the game that he, I think he maybe just had, like, a turnover or something. Um, I think he, like, was you know, unhappy. He was, he was probably upset that he hadn't played very well this game, you know, and again, this is probably not one of his best games, but, you know, kind of just upset, kind of complaining, and the whole, the Clemson crowd totally fed off of it, and the Clemson players totally fed off of it, and they, you know, closed them out after that, so it was, it was a rough look for Stanley to, you know, come in, not look that great, and then kind of uh, give Clemson the emotional fuel they needed to win, but, I mean, you know, he's, it's, it's fine. He's a, he's a freshman, uh, a little bit of his bio, 6'6 guy from L.A., actually, went to Sierra Canyon uh, High School. 6'6", uh, 193 pounds he's listed at. Was the 33rd overall recruit in this class. Uh, worth noting, though, he is a year older than all the other guys in this class, like, like a full year older. Uh, that was something that came up with Josh Jackson. Obviously, very different prospect, very different prospects, you know. I mean, I, I almost feel bad for even saying that name in this context. But, you know, it's something worth considering for these guys. Uh, Stanley's stats on the game, 12, 12 points a game. Um, you know, doing it on 50% from the field, so pretty impressive. You know, shooting, shooting 56% from two, uh, 38% from three almost, 72% from the line. So, 
And again, his numbers look fine. His numbers look good. He's and that's the thing. I, I I'm a little disappointed in Stanley because when I watch him, you know, in his highlights and some of the stuff he could do, I mean, he just he's he's such an explosive athlete. But I mean, he's got like he's he, he looks like he's got decent skill. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest, I think I love the motor, the the drive, the mentality, just, just sort of the way he looks when he plays. You know, he just looks like a fiery guy when he plays. Not in terms of emotional, though. Like, I, I think some – sorry. Not in terms of, like, hot-headed. I think it's just, like, a, a safe, stable emotion. He's, you know, invested. He wants to win with everything he is. Um, it's just – it's a little tough. I don't trust his decision-making right now. You know, he – Again, he looks a little over his head. He's struggling to he's, – he's not comfortable there. Um, and, you know, that happens with a lot of guys. You know, a guy we'll talk about a, a little bit, uh, Wendell Moore, looks totally uncomfortable. That's why he's not playing anymore. But, um, you know, it's part of the scouting, scouting evaluation. His, his shooting stroke is very nice. Uh, I, I like him as a shooter. I think he just needs to learn the game more. I think he probably needs to come back for another year at Duke. You know, he's one of these guys I could see being a junior at Duke and breaking out and winning Naismith Player of the Year, averaging 25 a game, getting drafted ninth overall. Um, it's just a matter of whether he can really figure out the game and how to make the impact that he should be on the game. Because I think he's one of these guys, and I remember watching like this, I can't remember what the game was called, but it's like this street ball game between a ton of these prospects this year, and it was... Uh, James Wiseman's team versus versus Cassius Stanley's team. He was like the team leader, quote unquote, and you know, he looked awesome in that setting. I think Cassius is probably one of the best pickup ballers uh, in college this year. Unfortunately, though, just you know needs needs to work a lot on his decision making. He just needs more in game reps, a lot of more in game reps, a lot more coaching, um, just learning. You know, he just needs experience. So I could see him staying for a year or two, but I still have a lot of hope for Cassius. Uh, just not this year. Just not this year. Uh, this next guy, uh, Matthew Hurt. Unfortunately, I didn't really get to see him this game. He he played 15 minutes in the game, but I, I got to be honest, I, that sounds like way more than he played. I remember seeing him maybe one or two uh, stints. He, he made virtually no impact on the game. You know, had like four points, I think. Um, a non-entity. But... It was certainly – so after halftime, I got to see him stand out there and shoot for like three or four minutes straight, and he was shooting on the basket right in front of me. I mean, the dude's an awesome shooter. His, his stroke looks very pure. Um, you know, it's the same exact shot every single time. You can just tell he's, he's – he's, he looks like an in-game shooter that's just like sitting here practicing his reps, you know. Um, I, got, I got to see the Pelicans also this year when they came into uh, Charlotte to play. And, you know, J.J. Redick was kind of the same way. It's like, the, okay, it's warm-ups. You're just going easy. But, man, does that guy already look like an in-game shooter. Uh, Hurt, I'd also say, you know, he might be more like 6'10". He is tall. He's listed as 6'9", 215. 215's um, <laughs> accurate. He's a skinny guy. But you know, he might even be more like 6'10". So, He's certainly not a small forward. He's more of a power forward, um, he, and I think he's a guy that you hope in three or four years can put on bulk, put on muscle, learn how to really play defense, and can get you some you know spot minutes at center. That's certainly the dream for him. Um, you know, overall though, again, tough for me to evaluate. Did, didn't really play that much. Um, definitely a big guy. He, he looks like he's going to shoot over everybody. 
Um, it's it, like impossible to impact his shot. I can't think, but I, I think the real thing with him is what else does he do? Um, I, I think there was some idea coming into college that he was going to be like a real defender, you know, even on like, like small forwards. No, he's not guarding small forwards. I don't think, um, certainly not in the NBA. Um, if, if he's lucky, he's guarding power forwards in the NBA right now, but yeah, I, I think he's a solid prospect, solid player. He averages almost a block a game, uh, 11.5 points, 43% shooting on four attempts per game. So, and again, um, you know, I mentioned he didn't really play in this game, but it's not like he hasn't been playing this year. Literally the game after. So yeah, he had two points against us at Clemson, you know, one-on-one, uh, his only, uh, two of the game, but Against Louisville the very next game, which they also lost, funnily enough, he scored 16 points, hit, you know, three of five from three, you know, three free throws. Um, the game after, 22 points against Miami a few nights ago, uh, four of seven from three. He's had a five of ten game from three against Boston College. Um, he's, he's had some, some – I think he's sort of had some up-and-down games – um, early on, you know, he was just not a huge part of the rotation, I think, or, or just not super comfortable being a part. Um, I, I think he's he's just a guy we're going to have to make a decision on at the end of the year. He, he's a guy that you have to keep getting information on. Um, I like his shot. I like the way he plays. But, you know, we're just going to have to see him play more games before we can really make an evaluation on him. He's certainly a guy that could come back next year. Um, just if, if, if things don't work out in his favor, but you know, I also wouldn't be shocked to see him go 15th overall. Uh, you know, he, he was the 12th overall prospect in his class last year. You know, he's, he's a, he's a, clearly a very talented player. I mean, it's just players that tall don't shoot like that. Not like that. I mean, I know guys can shoot, but like that, he, he looked like a, an elite shooter. You know, and I'm getting I'm getting that from like four minutes of you know six minutes of warm up shots, but man, um, we'll see we'll see with him. Let me just briefly touch on this last guy. So uh, Wendell Moore Jr. Um, is this like six 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 five guy, seven seven foot wingspan, so uh, you know small forward sized ideally, uh, two hundred and fifteen pounds more or less. Um, out of Charlotte Coxmill High School, uh, and for reference, I'm not sure exactly where, but uh, Matthew Hurts out of Minnesota. So, you know, he and Trey Young have a Minnesota connection, interestingly enough. Wendell Moore played zero minutes against Clemson. Didn't, did not get in the game, which I got to say, I was a little surprised by. Um, but, but looking back at his game logs, looks like um, in the month of January, he's played one game. He played... Uh, January 4th against Miami, he played 21 minutes, you know, put up six points. You know, I, I don't really know what happened, if there was really something in that game or it was just like, okay, this is it. We, we just, we got to move on and play these other guys. He has not played uh, in 21 days. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, I would say at this point, Wendell Moore is going to be returning next year. Uh, had a lot of hype coming in though. You know, again, these same guys, um, that I'm talking about that I that I sort of listen to their their draft opinions, uh, but are more small scale. A lot of them had Wendell Moore ranked high. A lot of them had Wendell Moore as a borderline lottery guy. So it's so Mike Grimanoff, who I actually had on the podcast uh, last uh, last 
you know, a few months ago. He he was a guy that was super high on Wendell Moore. Um, and, you know, he just I think he was a guy that looked really good in high school, and when he got to college, the game's just too fast for him. Um, he's not caught up yet. It's, it's sort of like Cassius Stanley, but probably worse. I got to be honest. I don't think I've seen no. I haven't seen a Wendell Moore game, so I'm not going to try to tell you anything about his game that I don't know, but he's he's clearly um, struggling to find his place with his Duke team. I think he's a guy that he'll come back next year. He will, you know, be a lot more confident. He's got a year under his belt. He's, you know, he's an, almost an old guy compared to all the, the all the freshmen that will be coming in. You know, I, don't don't worry too much, um, but at the same time, don't expect Wendell Moore to come out this year. Uh, I think I think that's probably all I've got uh, on this team, uh, unless I'm gonna do 30 minutes on Jack White. Which, no, y'all don't. Uh, fine, if you don't want 30 minutes on Jack White, I won't give you 30 minutes on Jack White. Whatever. Y'all have no taste. <laughs> but. Really, it's a lot of fun to do this. This this is awesome. This was an awesome podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed, uh, if you want to hear more in the future, be sure to subscribe. You know, again, this new Scouts Honor podcast format. You know, the website up. I think this is going to be a a good long term venture for me. I'm I'm very excited to start producing more scouting stuff going forward. You know, if you have any feedback, be sure to hit me up on Twitter. Again, it's Scouts Honor NBA. Um, uh, that should be in the description as well. I had a ton of fun doing this. Uh, I'll definitely, definitely bring another episode to you guys this week. You know, probably sometime uh, Wednesday or Thursday. So be tuned for that. And again, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, please leave a rating or a review if you so desire. And as always, have a wonderful day. Bye now.